Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. I'm good, right? Y'all can hear me? Yep. Solid. This is a beautiful stool. Uh, I like it. It's kind of high, but we'll knock it out. Like, my knees are on my chest, but whatever. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for being here today on this beautiful Sunday morning while we fix this. Um, but dope thing, right? I started Folklore about five years ago myself and my co-founder, Sam Smith, who's out in Seattle right now. Uh, we started it five years ago because um, we were hanging out in, in Austin, Texas at this beautiful restaurant called Salt Lick. Uh, Salt Lick is one of my favorite things. If you know me, I love brisket and Chinese food, yeah. right? Uh, but Salt Lake has the best brisket in the world. It is better than Franklin's, if you know about Franklin Barbecue. Um, if you want to fight me, I'm down. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to run from a fight. Um, but So we're at Salt Lake, and if you guys been to this location, you should go. It's not the one in Round Rock, but the one in Driftwood. Be sure to go to the one in Driftwood. Uh, but it's on this open farmland, right? And it's like pasture for like, I don't know how long pasture is measured, acres or whatever. Um, but we just started walking. We had a bottle of whiskey, and we just walked through this pasture in the middle of Texas and talked about Jesus for hours. And it got really dark, and then we were like, those are the lights for the place that we were coming from, so we should probably head back to that because I don't want to get stuck in the middle of a field in Texas with a bottle of whiskey and chilling. <laughs> but one of the things we realized is like, it was so freeing for us to just like, just chill with no agenda, with no regard for anything except for the fact that we were talking about our good God and having a good drink. And we were like, yo, we got to do this when we get back to Chicago. So we were like, cool, we'll do it. I'm the type of person, like, I'll say I'll do something and then I'll forget about it. And then, like, I get gentle reminders from friends, like, yo, we're going to do this. And I'm like, yeah, 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 let's get it done right now. And we'll just jump into it. So we were like, what should we talk about? What should we do? And with folklore, right, it exists in three spaces. One space being uh, a subject, so we invite people into a space to talk about a subject. Whether you feel this way about it or that way about it, we just want to hear what your thoughts are, right? So I like to play devil's advocate in these spaces and to challenge your thought. To, the hope is for us to walk away with different thoughts, but also walk away knowing that we have the answers in the Bible and we want to look in the Bible and investigate because we feel like we don't know more than we think we do. The second space of folklore is when we invite a speaker in, right? We invite an expert on a subject and we have them speak for about 30 minutes and have them unpack the subject and then you, as the people who attend these sessions or this gathering or whatever it is, um, get the opportunity to ask them that question so that you can unpack and understand what they were talking about a little bit more. And the third space is my favorite because it has no agenda. It is the no agenda space. So we've done a folklore where we've talked about nothing at all and just ate pizza. We've had a folklore where we invited our neighborhood, our entire neighborhood of Humboldt Park to a location. We cooked turkeys and ham and we ate a Thanksgiving dinner together. And then we've had one where we were like huddled in somebody's basement and shared stories. I'm passionate about the sharing stories one. I love telling stories. One of the things that I love is uh, a, a, a mantra that I try to live by sometimes is know your story and know it good, right? Always be able to share your story. Always be able to tell about what God has done in your life, 
or just like what shapes you, right? Our stories make up everything we are. It's the way we pick up our cup, it's the way we walk down the street, it's the way we pick up the phone, it's the way we do everything we do. Our stories make us who we are and this event on Thursday is gonna help us do that. It's gonna help us get into a room with some of you guys who are here, I hope you all are there, but also complete strangers, right? And, and Folklore's tagline is to be a story-formed collective that gathers around the good things. Our hope is that like, we just share our stories so much that we build authentic relationships and authentic uh, friendships with people that we never would have thought we would have connected with in our entire lives with the hope that we walk away and we can speak into each other's lives, right? I, I am all for standing on the corner and preaching the good news of Jesus, right? Like the next man, but I love being in an authentic relationship with someone who is an unbeliever and when there is need, they know that they can call on the dude who says he loves Jesus and they can unpack and just talk at me and be there with me and they don't feel like they're my project, right? Because sometimes we saw people who like, feel like Christians make them their projects and we don't want that. We wanna have authentic relationships with people, right? And that's why folklore is a space that it is. It's to come around people, build those relationships and have authentic relationships with them and, and share these things with you. So I hope that this makes more sense uh, to the ominous thing that folklore has been for the past few weeks. When you hear us talking about it, like what is folklore? Folklore is dope, y'all. Like, <laughs> it's amazing, I love it. Um, I had a friend hit me up a week ago and was like, I haven't had community um, since the last folklore. I haven't had a true sense of community since the last folklore. And it's just a place where we just get together and just chill, unpack in a safe space and build these relationships. Cool, makes sense? Thursday, Three's Brewing, $5 donation. It's not going to the church, it's not going to me. Um, it's going to the Brooklyn Community Bail Fund. Right? We're gonna help get some nonviolent offenders out of jail so they can fight their cases. I don't know if anybody in here has ever been to jail. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's great outside of jail <laughs> um, to fight your case outside of jail. It is not fun fighting inside. You don't have access to the lawyers that you want. You don't have access to the stories you want. Um, and for a nonviolent person who doesn't have the ability to pay the $300 to get out of jail to fight their case outside, we wanna help make that possible for those people. So come, if you don't have $5, don't worry about it. Come enjoy people. Come spend some time with us. Tell your story. Like, don't come with a story about nothing. Come with a story about, like, your cat, your dog, your life, whatever you have. Just come. Don't be afraid to share. It's a safe space. It's a space that you create, right? And we're all nice people in this room, I hope. Um, so a little bit about what I love is I love preaching. I've been a pastor for about five, six years. Um, I was a pastor of a church in Chicago um, in Humboldt Park, one of the be most beautiful communities, and it's an authentic, amazing Puerto Rican neighborhood. Um, I know, right? <laughs> so like, thinking about Puerto Rico is like having me teary-eyed all day, every day, because that's like, those are my people, that's where I learned. They have the best food, they have the best rice, I'm just gonna be out there and say it. Um, but like, unpacking the word of God is one of the things that I love to do, right? And, and a great story in the Bible is the story of the Good Samaritan, right? It's one of my favorites. It's one of the most beautiful stories because we look at it and we think, yo, I'm gonna be that Good Samaritan today, but if you really like slow down and unpack it a bit more, like we will never be that Good Samaritan. Um, <laughs> but let's unpack it and get in. Um, it's gonna be in Luke 
25 through 37. Uh, I'm gonna read it. If you guys wanna close your eyes and just listen to like the word of God over you real quick, we'll just do that. Let me know when your eyes are closed. We got this, cool. Um, Just then, an expert in the law stood up to test him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit life? What is written in the law, he asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him up, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring out olive oil and wine, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which, is the, which of these do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for being a great God. A God that we don't deserve with grace that gives it to us freely every single day. God, I pray, Lord, that, that these words, Lord, that are not my words, Lord, just penetrate our hearts. Help us understand what you have for us in life how we love the people around us, how we love our neighbors, how we go through life and how our story is being shaped and formed by you. I pray, Lord, that you just open our ears and soften our hearts, Lord, to just be made into your image more and more as we hear your words speak. So I thank you. Thank you for being good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we are. We got this lawyer, we got this dude who's sitting up, right, talking to Jesus, asking him, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? And that's not a, that's not a, a weird question to ask. We see Jesus, this dude, walking around, right, it's claiming to be God, saying, all right, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? You're going to get eternal life through me. We saw other people come up to him asking the same question. This, this lawyer, this Pharisee, we'll say that, at the time, says, cool. You had this eternal life thing. What must I do to earn it? Right? Jesus said in verse 26, what is written in law and how do you read it? This is a dope question because Jesus knew who this man was. And he says, how do you read this question and what is written in law? Simple. Right? Simple. Because this man knows the law like the back of his hand. We know Paul was like, I'm a Jew of all Jew. I know these joints, right? I've studied the law. I get down with the law. The law is my jam. I know it like the back of my hand, right? But the second question is the killing question. How do you read it? Right? We can know something like the back of our hand. We can know it line by line, verse by verse, precept by precept. But how do you read it shapes how we act it out and how we live it out. Right? So Jesus is saying, yo, like, tell me about this law that you know so well, 
but also tell me, how do you read it? The lawyer answers and he breaks it down so beautifully. Verse 27 says, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the law. That's the, that's, that's the first half and the second half of the Ten Commandments. Love God with your mind, body, and spirit, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? I always, I often as a kid thought about like this, this verse, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's like, yo, if I'm hungry, my neighbor's hungry. If I'm thirsty, my neighbor's hungry. If I want something to, want to do something, let me see if my neighbor wants to do the same thing with me. Right? But loving God wasn't my jam at all. Right? I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Well, I grew up in a home. My dad was a pastor. My dad wasn't a Christian. <laughs> it's weird. I'll tell you that story on Thursday. Come check it out. Folklore, 7 p.m., $5 donation going to a Brooklyn Bell Fund. Um, but I grew up in a Christian home, man. I knew the gospel. I knew the Bible. I knew these things, right? And I just didn't rock with it. I hated God my entire life. Right? So, like, I was a good dude. I could, somebody's hungry, feed them. Somebody wants something to drink, feed them. If I got $2 and you want something, we're going to split that $2. You get a dollar, I get a dollar. We're going to figure it out together. But loving God with all of me was not my jam. Right? And it was the opposite for this, this lawyer. This lawyer is like, yeah, I love God with my mind, body, and spirit. Right? But... Do I really love my neighbor? And he's having this thing, right? We haven't got to the part yet, but he's having this internal conflict because you got the, the dude who created the entire world sitting in front of you saying, all right, what does the law say? And he tells you, you got it right, right? Verse 28 says, and he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live, right? Me, if I was that lawyer, I'd be like, dope, got it right. I'm gonna pack it up, I'm out. I got this together. I got it, I got the answer right. Right, think about this. The God of the universe told you you got your answer right. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Verse 29 says, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who was my neighbor? Bruh, you got this right. There's no need to try to justify yourself. Why are you trying to justify yourself? Jesus confirms that the lawyer's statement was true. He literally said, you answered this correctly. Good work. Something stuck out. It was much deeper than that. Jesus knew. Jesus knows this dude's heart. He knew. He knew I was going to ask this question. I'm going to prick it a little bit. This lawyer trying to justify himself knew that he wasn't loving his neighbor as he loved himself. And he asked this question, well, who is our neighbor, right? Matthew Henry, one of the most literal commentators, if you ever read him, he's like the, the most literal commentators of the Bible world. You'd be like, the verse would be like, Jesus wept. Matthew Henry's commentary would say, Jesus cried. But he's the most literal dude. He's one of my favorite, right? But Matthew Henry states, he breaks out of his box and he says of the, of the, the lawyers and the Pharisees, they would not put an Israelite to death for killing a Gentile for he was not their neighbor. They indeed say they ought not kill a Gentile whom they were not at war with. So they wouldn't put, uh, they wouldn't put uh, an Israelite to death for killing a Gentile, but they would not be, uh, hurt a Gentile that they were not at war with, right? We with me? But if they saw a Gentile in danger of death, they thought themselves under no obligation to save his life. 
This is the thinking that, that this lawyer is dealing with at this time. This is the thinking that we're, we're talking about. Love my neighbor as I love myself. Who is my neighbor then? Because my neighbor looks like my, my brothers over there, the other Pharisees, the law keepers, the Jews. They're my neighbors. Yeah, I love them as I love myself. But we know this about Pharisees that they didn't. They were the, 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 the prostrate type people in the Bible who were like, Lord, I thank you for not making me like that person over there. That's their jam. That's their MO. That's what we know them by. That's the fruit we've seen. I know the law. You don't. I'm at this level. You're not. You're not my neighbor. My neighbors are the people who share my interests. My neighbors are the people who look like me. My neighbors are the people who sound like me, who know the law like me. My neighbors are the people who are going to heaven just like me because I know this to be true. Jesus was like, word? <laughs> Let's unpack this a bit more, bro, because uh, I don't think you really get it the way you get it. And Jesus being like the, the, the quintessential person who was like, well, just tell me the answer, Jesus. He's like, nah, I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm just going to just mess up your head real quick and make you think about it real quick. So we go into verse 30, and Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. So this dude, right, is going out of Jericho. Jericho is about 23 miles, right, from Jerusalem, right? It's going, it's a common road. People would often travel this road because they wanted to get to the temple in Jerusalem, right? Whether it's, whether it's uh, Yom Kippur or whatever high holiday is going on, they would travel this road to get there and to connect. So it's a common road. And this dude was traveling this road. And as he was walking down this road, some robbers run up on him. We don't know their background. We don't know if they're Arabians. We don't know if they were people who thought he was a Roman citizen trying to, to rob him. We don't know anything about him. But we, what you do know is that they beat this man, they stripped him, and they left him for dead. Anybody familiar with World Star Hip Hop? Right? Right? You look at those videos on World Star sometimes, you see these fight videos, and you're like, why is this person recording this video instead of helping that person getting stomped in the head? In this situation, right, we're walking and we're seeing this man who's half dead. The first thing you say is, yo, you all right, bro? Let me help you up. Let me come to your rescue. Let me come to your aid. He's beaten. He's stripped. He's broken down. He's left for dead on this road, right? The man was in need. He just needed anyone, anyone, one person. All I need is one to step up and help him through this. Step up and just pick him up and say, yo, I'm sorry this happened to you. Let's ride. Let's go figure this out. Not go chase down the people who did it. Not go and, and, and do a proclamation or whatever and say, yo, next person who does this to a person. He just needed some person to help him at that moment. Verse 31 says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Word? A priest, right? What do we know about priests? They're descendants of Aaron, right? Aaron, Moses' brother, right? The line of Aaron, the priestly line, the one who gave us the law, the mouthpiece of Moses because he couldn't talk. This is a descendant of him, a priest, right? In that area, the person who traveled into the Holy of Holy on behalf of the people because he was the one chosen by God, walked by this dude and said, hmm, and kept it moving. Mind you, he could have been on somewhere, going somewhere really far, and he couldn't 
take the time to stop and help somebody bleeding half naked, dead on the ground. Saying, I got stuff, I got places to go. But he was supposed to be for the people. Let's be real. You see a person on the ground bleeding, right? And Jesus is using these people in this story to tell this story. This, this priest is not just a priest he just chose. He chose this priest to use this symbol as a reason, for a reason. He's traveling. He saw this man pass by on the other side. 32 says, likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. Let's think about this. What do we know about Levites? Levites, all priests were Levites, right? Senate 12 tribes, Levites. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests, right? Let's, let's tackle some notable Levites. We got Aaron, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, Malachi, Malachi, Ezra, Korah, John the Baptist, and Moses. Moses, the one who gave us the law, the one who told us you should love with all the first five, love God and love your neighbor. The one who was given the law by God, right, is this person is ascended by him. He walks over to this man and sees him lying and just like the priest pass by on the other side. These two men were men of public character whose offices in life needed them to consistently exercise tenderness and compassion, right? But we saw them just bounce and leave this man on the ground. But verse 33, but a Samaritan as he journeyed came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. Who are these Samaritans, right? They are the half-breed of Jews who intermarried with Jews while in captivity, and they were hated by most Jews because of this. They claimed to serve God, but they also served this pagan God that they made up. But this person was not a priest, was not a Levite, was not a descendant of God or a descendant of God in any way, shape, or form, but he was the only person who had compassion, it says. Verse 34, right? says, he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and take care of him. Remember this journey from Jerusalem and Jericho is about 23 miles between the inn and Samaritan was the only person moved to compassion. Russ knows Greek words and the Greek word for compassion literally translate to a bowel movement. I'm not gonna pronounce it because it's really hard, but it, it, it means that there is something stirring up in you so much that you have to do something. So this, this Samaritan was moved to compassion. Like there was something in him that says, I cannot walk away from this situation. I cannot leave this person on the ground. I cannot just walk away. Like there's a dude half naked, dead, being beaten, bloody. I have to do something, right? So he bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine on him, set him on his own animal and took care of him at this random inn on the journey. Verse 35 says, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever you spend, I will repay when I come back. This is dope, right? Two denarii, that's like two days wages, right? That's a lot of money in that time. He's like, yo, take this bread, take care of homie upstairs, when I get back, I'm going to take care of you. 
Let's slow down and unpack this a little bit more because it's, it's a lot deeper. Remember, what are, what are parables? There's these stories with these hidden meanings where Jesus is just trying to show the gospel in these crazy outlandish ways. And all he had to say was, I'm coming to fix everything. And I got this. But no, he was going to tell this long, drawn-out story to show that he was the way for eternal life. Us, like this man, right? Let's, let's do some parallels. Us, like this man, were robbed, beaten, and stripped of everything due to our sin. Think about that. This man was left for dead. We are dead in our sins, right? Under the law of Moses, the priest and the Levite, right? Law of Moses. We were looked over and could only be seen in our state and not brought out of this state, right? There was nothing in him, right? Within this parable that brought him out of the state, just like the law was not to save us. So show us how wicked we were. Jesus was going to come. We have the law, we have the priest, we have this dead man, half dead man, he's not dead, half dead man, sitting on the side of the road, that dead man, right, it's just like us. But then steps the Samaritan, right, this half breed, right, who shows up, shows compassion, binds up his wounds, pours out oil on this fallen traveler. We often look at this story and say, yo, I'm the good Samaritan, I'm going to be this good Samaritan, but that good Samaritan is Jesus, in this story. That's all him. That ain't us. We would have been just like that priest in some cases, just like that Levite in some cases, thinking that we have to keep going. I can't stop right now. I can't, I, I got somewhere to be. I can't, I'm gonna be late for work if I help this dude who's over here tripping on this train. I gotta go. The Samaritan comes in and binds up his wounds, right? Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He bound up our wounds and poured out wine on them with his blood, right? He pays our way or whatever debt, right? The Samaritan pays the way of this, this half-dead man, right? And Jesus pays his way with our blood and his own life. This man gave his wages to make sure that this person was taken care of. But then if, if we're not Jesus in the store, we're not Samaritan in the store, we're not the Levite or the priest, then who are we in the story? Because we have to be somewhere. Let's think about this innkeeper. What's the name of the innkeeper? He doesn't have a name. What's the name of his inn? There is no name. His inn has no name, right? But he was chosen by the Samaritan to care for this stranger. He was chosen, right, by the Samaritan to bring this random dude in and says, hey, I'm going to put this person in your spot. Take care of him. Whatever he needs, here's some money for. And when I return from my journey, I'm going to make sure he's good. We're the innkeeper. And the church is the inn. He has no name. A church has no name. Jesus brings people into our lives brings randos into our lives and tells us to care for them, pays with his own blood, says, yo, when I get back, I'm taking you with me. You're gonna get your reward when I get back. And just like us, we're waiting on Jesus to come back. We're waiting on him to come back and, and to, to give us that reward, which in this life will be heaven. 
and it'll be glorious, and it'll be good. Like, I don't know if you guys ever read the story of what heaven's gonna look like, but it's gold so pure that it's clear. I don't know about that, but it's dope. I just can't wait to see it. I just, like, I'm just waiting on heaven to see the clear gold, right? <laughs> like, yo, Jesus, where's that clear gold, man? Um, but think about that. The story, I was brought up to think, like, yo, I gotta do my good deed of the day. I'm gonna be the good Samaritan. After reading it and unpacking it and living it and running with it, I was like, I'd much rather be that unnamed dude in that unnamed building caring for those people that God has given us. That was one of the things that we want to do with folklore. We wanted to meet people. We wanted to hear their story. We wanted to unpack what was going on in their lives, right? Because those are the type of people or those are the people that we want to interact with because our story is is they have a story just like ours. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But real thing is, we want to meet with those people. I had a best friend who was saved, right? She was reading a track that her, her random dudes on campus gave her on Sunday, and I was like a kid. I was like, yo, tracks don't work. She read it. I was like, yo, these are whack comic books. But she read it, and the moment Jesus got her through there. I got friends who stand out on corners on Sundays or Tuesdays or Wednesdays and, and, and yell at the top of their lungs that Jesus is the only way, and I love them for that. I love being in the dark places with people outside the faith, hearing their story, loving on them, caring for them until he returns. Whatever God has chosen for your life, do it. Our, at the end of the day, our role is to care for these people until he returns. That's our role. Folklore helped us do that in a different way. I loved standing on those corners sharing Jesus with people, but I loved making them feel like they weren't my project. I loved making them feel like we're in this safe place. I loved just sitting down with them, slowing down with them and unpacking their story. I love those other things too, but the reason we started Folklore is because some people just aren't built to stand on those corners and share these things. Some people just want to sit inside of a room and just unpack somebody's story and love on them. So this Thursday, come check it out. It's going to be cool, right? Share your story. Invite other people to share their story. Love on them. Build authentic relationships and go from there. Verse 36 and 37 says this. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, you go and do likewise. At the end of the day, our neighbors aren't always people who look like us, share interests. Sometimes they do. But that what we want to do is, we, we, Jesus saw fit for them to be under our rule, under our, not rule, but under our, uh, our care. It's all fit for us to build and grow community with these people, right? And that's what we're here to do. Cool? So just go love them. Love them as you love yourself. Eat with them, drink with them, have a good time with them. That's all you're here to do. Be the unnamed innkeeper in the unnamed church and care for those people until he comes back. Cool? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for, for making us, for making us like you and constantly shaping us and forming us to be 
like you. It hurts for us to, to be broken down and out of our comfort zone and, 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 and be rewired. But I'm thankful you're doing it. God, I just pray, Lord, that as we walk away, Lord, that you would put us in situations, Lord, where we need to remember that we are the innkeeper. We need to remember that this inn that you've placed us in is to care for people more than ourselves while we wait for your reward. So I thank you and praise you. I pray, Lord, that as we go, we would thank of people we want to invite to folklore to share their story, but also, Lord, just how we can care for people deeper. So praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's sermon. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn, details about Sunday worship and brunch, to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.